Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is November 2nd, 2023. And the title, you want to get, you want to know the title of tonight's message? The title of tonight's message is Unwavering Loyalty. Somebody say unwavering. Loyalty. Loyalty. To, be, to think about where we are in our time in history, it is absolutely momentous. It's, there's a momentum that has taken place in our time in history. And to be standing with these men here tonight, with Assad, with Rob, it is my great privilege to preach this message with them. See, our entire goal, LCM, we'll be honest with you tonight, is to speak to you from our hearts, to inspire you to the great call and majesty of Jesus Christ. You guys are well aware of what's happening in our world today. Yeah? All eyes are on the nation of Israel. There are nations that are taking their positions to stand with Israel. And there are nations that are also taking their positions to stand against Israel. Yes, that deserves a boo. We are truly living in polarizing times. You are either for God's people, the nation of Israel, or you are against them. There is no middle ground whatsoever. Come on, saints, as we learned from last Sunday's sermon, unapologetic Zionist, the following quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one worth revisiting. He says, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. But LCM, we are not those who refuse to speak. And we are definitely not those who refuse to act. Amen. We are LCM. We are one association. Yeah. So much so that we want to echo tonight the words of the prophet Isaiah, starting in Isaiah 62.1. Can you throw that up on the screen? For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The time is now, brothers and sisters. The time is now to awaken to our duty in seeing the salvation of Israel and become a, blaming, a flaming torch for the nations. Amen. Guys, and we know that you are with us, LCM, in this charge. We know yes. that unequivocally. Yeah. This is the heartbeat and the conviction that has built this church we sit in today. Yeah. You are men and women who demonstrate your faith by what you do. Not what you say, by what you do. So we know that all of you are eagerly looking to find out what you are to do in this present day and time amidst all this turmoil, this uncertainty. And we are certainly going to answer that question for you tonight. But first, we want to lay down some ground rules, some groundwork to ensure that the impact the Lord has put in us is felt tonight. We'll be the very first catalyst that fuels the next faith-filled action today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. Elsie, with that being said, we're getting ready to turn to a familiar passage because you guys are a Bible literate church. But we want you to engage with us with the illusion of the very first time. Say we promised that, Abimbola. We <laughs> because what you're getting ready to hear is something you may not have realized in its fullness, or given really any serious thought to it. So with that being said, let's go to 1 John chapter 1. And sound booth, we're going to take this in the ESV. Go there, say unwavering loyalty. Unwavering loyalty. 
Everybody there? Making your way there? All right, so check this out. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the word, the eternal life, which was from the Father and was made manifest to us. Do you guys hear what the Apostle John is saying at the opening of his letter to his brothers? Words like we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, looked upon, we have touched with our hands. In other words, he said, we are getting ready to proclaim to you a real and tangible experience that we have had. Something that has built a testimony in our lives and we want the exact same in yours. CLCM, you guys are biblical students in this house. When the Apostle John is saying these things, we've seen, we've touched, we've, we've heard, we've experienced these things. Who is he speaking about in this context? Jesus. Come on, y'all, we, we got to get better than that. Who is he talking about, Who's church? He? Jesus. He's talking about Jesus, right? And LCM, unequivocally, he is talking about Jesus. And there's some perspective that we wanted to give you guys here. So listen to this. Think about John chapter 14, where yeah. Jesus says that he and the Father are, are one. Yeah. In the same chapter, he looks at his disciples and tells, tells them that anyone who sees him has seen the Father. Wow. So LCM, we want you to contemplate something here for a second. So check this out. The God from Exodus chapter 19, who descended on Mount Sinai in fire... It's the same God who's seated on the throne with heavenly beings surrounding him saying, holy, holy, holy in Isaiah 6. Yeah. Come on, not only that, that's the same God who in Psalm 89 is greatly feared and more awesome than all the hosts of heaven. He's not just greatly feared, LCM. In John chapter 12, he splits the heavens and he speaks and says, I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. In Revelation 20, he's a judge of all mankind. Wow. In 1 Corinthians 15, he himself is resurrection power. Yeah. And when he decided to manifest in the flesh, in all his wisdom and majesty, as the savior of the entire world, he manifested himself as an, an Israeli, Israeli Jewish, Jewish man. man. Come on, church. The God of the universe. The one who holds the keys to death in Hades. He revealed himself as an Israeli Jewish man. Not only did he come in the flesh, but he came in Jewish flesh. Yeah, that speaks volumes. Yeah, he came to the, as a, an Israeli Jewish man to the Jewish people in the land promised to the Jews, the land of Israel, as the manifestation and the culmination of the very plan of God. Man, talk about a statement of all statements. You're talking about a mic drop? God gave the ultimate mic drop when he showed up in human form as an Israeli Jewish man. Do you think that he was trying to make a point, LCM, by doing this? Yeah. Of course he was. And in our day and time, people are still arguing whether or not these are God's chosen people. When God himself, 
the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the one who holds death and Hades in his hands, the one that it says in the book of Job that he stores in the heavens snow for a time of war, that God shows up in human form and says, I'm Jewish. Elsim, that's worth comprehending. That's worth wrestling with. That's worth engaging with. That this is who he is, and he's trying to make a statement. So question for you. Did it come as a surprise to you that the creator of all things came in the flesh as a Jew? Did that surprise you? I heard some no's. It was foretold. So since none of us in here are Jewish. Wait, brother, he's not Norwegian? No, he's not. Those guys Definitely not African. <laughs> he's not Jamaican. I don't think he's Mexican. He's absolutely Jewish. So guys, since none of us in here are Jewish that I know of, does the fact that you are, are not Jewish make you feel excluded a little bit? Do you feel? But you just be honest, man. Paul says that, is there an advantage to being a Jew? Yeah. Much says, in every much way. Much in every way, right? So go with us to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and engage with the only diversity, inclusion, and equity that actually matters. Come on. Asad, can you say that? Can you say that one more time? Stare at the people here and also look in the camera as well. Yes. Go with us to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and engage with the only diversity, inclusion, and equity that actually matters. Come on, while y'all are turning there, Asad and I had a funny conversation last night. I had to take a, a inclusivity, a compliance training for work this week. And I have to say that it was nowhere near to the diversity, equity, and inclusion that actually matters. In fact, it was all rubbish. You guys in Ephesians 2? Somebody say unwavering loyalty. Unwavering loyalty. It says this, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you know Ephesians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 10, is a favorite in this body. Yeah. I mean, it has, a, it has a purpose. We know the creator of the universe prepared works in advance for you to do. It was literally just given to us at the beginning of this service by our pastor. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Very so. I'm just happy to, to be in step with you guys. Amen. <laughs> That we are here, guys, is by no means an accident. Amen. I mean, come on, guys. Being fearfully and wonderfully made, having all the days ordained from the written book, before, the one, before one of them came to be. I mean, that, that is huge. Having yeah. your days written from the, from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Every single day of your life has been written, has been ordained. That is amazing. Yeah. But what is the purpose? What are these works in fuller context? We all have a mezuzah. Yeah. We know that each of our purposes are derived to fit and, and form perfectly within the mezuzah of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. In light of this, let's keep on reading. Yeah, come on. Let's go to verse 11. Yeah. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. Wow. Well, we cannot lose sight of the fact that the Jews were chosen. They were the predestined people, yeah. the first to put their hope in Christ. They were the first given the promises, the covenants. They were those that were entrusted with the very words of God. And all the while, 
we were separate from Christ. We were excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope. Can you feel that? We were hopeless and without God in the world. And yet, the very next verse says, but now, say that with but me, now, in Christ Jesus, the Israeli Jewish man that came as a culmination of the plan of God from the beginning of time, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the Jewish blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Do you hear that, saints? We have been brought near by the Jewish blood of Yeshua HaMashiach. He has made us one with Israel. And in this one new body, God is reconciling both Jew and Gentile to himself together as one. You see, we have nothing without Israel. God's plan came through them and will only be completed along with them. Our fates and our destinies are intrinsically linked. And they must not, no, they cannot be separated. LCM, in light of that, what does that indicate as to the good works which God prepared in advance for us to do? See, those very works must include the reconciliation of Israel together with us. Saints, we've got some work to do. Say we got some work to do. LCM, there's a tremendous role that we are all awakening to. Ephesians 1 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, right? There's a role that we are awakening to knowing what we've been given in light of Ephesians chapter 2. We were on the outside, but now we've been brought near through the Jewish blood of Jesus Christ. And on our part as Gentile graftings, graftings, there has to be an unwavering covenantal loyalty that we show to God by showing it to his people. Because our salvation depends on this unwavering loyalty to the Jewish people. It depends on it, LCM. And not just our salvation, but the very resurrection of the dead. Have you thought about that? In your own time, go through the book of Romans. Read through the book of Romans, specifically chapters 9 all the way through 11. But for the sake of time, we're going to drive this point home regarding the dependency of Israel's salvation and the resurrection of the dead. And we're only going to take a few samples right out of Romans chapter 11, and we're going to put it on the screen for you. Look at this. Romans 11, 1 and 2a. I ask then, did God reject his people? No. By no Hell means. Hell no. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. When we jump down to verse 11, again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Hell no. Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. Look at verse 15. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world... What will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Come on, I know, I know my brother likes to speak about Chalvei Homers, about the light and the heavy. How much more so? I don't want you to miss this. If their transgression meant salvation has come to you, how much more so will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Church, we are a body that puts our hope 
in the resurrection. Not to be called off into heaven on a cloud one day, but our hope is in the resurrection of the dead. We cannot separate the acceptance of Israel with the resurrection of the dead. They are one in the same. How much more? They are one and the same. So church, how important is our role to an unwavering loyalty towards Israel today? It's everything. It is. It, in today's time, it is everything. We cannot have a resurrection of the dead outside of them. It is impossible. Knowing what you know now and awakening to your responsibility, we want to show you that this unwavering loyalty has always been God's desire. For the Gentiles to show towards his people. In fact, we want to make this unequivocally clear to you tonight. From the first book of the Bible and throughout the rest of the word, and what we're going to see again and again are Gentiles demonstrating unwavering loyalty and support to God's chosen people, even at the risk of their very own lives. So let's turn to Genesis chapter, four, Genesis chapter 14. All right, as you're turning there, say unwavering loyalty, Ubong. Well, everybody else can say it too. You too, Serbian stallion. <laughs> By the way, we're going to read this out of the Legacy Standard Bible. Yeah. Since we don't have that in the back, our Pastor Wade made us a, a nifty little slide up here. Everybody, if you could look up at that. I, I, I love Pastor Wade. He makes the, the best slides. Okay, so while you guys are in your, your Bibles in Genesis 14... The reason we put the LSB up here is for, for, it's for a very specific reason. So let's read it. It says, they also took Lot. Somebody say, uh-oh. Uh -oh. Abram's nephew and his possessions and departed. Now he was living in Sodom, not a very good place. No. Then a fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew. Now he was dwelling by the oaks of Mamre the Amorite, the brother of Eshcol and the brother of Honor. And these were in the covenant with Abram. Did you guys catch that? Somebody say Mamre. Mamre. Eshkol. Eshkol. Honor. Honor. Okay, when we ask you what your favorite biblical character, when was the last time you heard somebody say Mamre? Never. Eshkol. Never. Right? When was the last time somebody named their child this? Listen. 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 The truth... Somebody said the truth. the truth. The truth is, guys, when you actually read Genesis chapter 14 and the story of the rescue of Lot, we normally only speak about the 318 trained men in Abraham's household. And as amazing as that is, and it really is, we're not, we're not downplaying it, to raise up disciples in your home and at the, the flip of a switch can stand and go with you in a battle, that's amazing. And we also need to consider the fact that these three brothers were in covenant with Abram. They were in covenant with the man. Somebody say the man. The man. Listen, LCM, this is not your average HOA association, right? Where you both agree to make sure your grass is cut. You make sure that you both get your mail. I don't know what kind of HOA you're living in, but I've never experienced that. In I've my heard life. of these things. They, they exist in a galaxy far, far away. The point being is, this was not a relationship based on you scratch my back aside and I'll scratch your back. Quid pro quo. Not at all. These men were actually companions of Abram. 
These were men that rallied their entire lives and their lives of their families around the covenant that they cut with Abram. Come on. So these men being in covenant. Yeah. What would their natural response be when their companion, their friend, is put in a dark and difficult position where he has to go off to war against other kings to take back those that were promised to him? What's That's their right. natural response? Hey, brother, hey, we're going to send you good vibes and prayers. Hey, hey, brother, we, our heart's with you. We're with you in spirit. Yeah. No! no! That's not what men in covenant do. You see, these men go with him. Yeah. And we are just like these men. Men, this wasn't something that they just did that they got on their, on their bicycles and rode across town to go throw cans at an enemy, an, uh, uh, another group of kids that you're not friends with. These are men that were meant to kill people. They, wanted to t they had to take blood on their hands. These were men that were ready to ride or die, to get in the truck. In fact, in reference to the 2019 sermon, go get them. They spent three days on foot through rugged terrain, risking their lives. And look at this. There's really no perceived benefit for these men to stand with Abram. And nevertheless, they do so because they honored the covenant that they had with him. That yeah. they saw his life and the promises that he had. And they sided with the man that God had chosen. Before we get to an, an amazing testimony. Did you guys hear the reference that Rob made? In 2019, there was a sermon preached, go get them. Go check that sermon out. You'll find out that these guys navigated through rugged terrain three days on foot to support Abram in his calls to rescue Lot. Wow. Yeah. That, that couldn't have been comfortable. I'm sure it was hot, yeah. sandy, yeah. <clears throat> sweaty, tired, yeah. camels. So <laughs> those dang camels. Yeah. <clears throat> Smelly. So we're talking about standing with the Jewish people when it matters the most. And my family got a, a chance, an opportunity recently to do just that. Yeah. So our, our son Judah goes to the Jewish Community Center off of uh, Eldridge, Balder Baza's shop. And I've gotten kind of numb to it because they have a police officer there every single day, even before what was going on happened. There's always a police officer there. I've gotten numb to the fact that we have to buzz in to get into the iron gates that are around the building. I've gotten numb to the fact that I have to buzz in to get into the building. Okay, this is, this is, this is their everyday living circumstances for, for kids going to daycare. So after October 7th, that, that heinous act, less than a week later was the National Day of Jihad. It was proclaimed. And so the, 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 the CEO of the Jewish Community Center sent out a, a letter and said, we're not going to bow down. We're going to stay open. Yeah. We're not going to let yeah. these people cause us to fear and live our lives differently. Yeah. 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 I'm going to tell you. I wasn't sure about sending my son to school that day. I mean, I work from home on Fridays. I'm there. He can just chill here next to me. No harm, no foul. And we said, if the Jewish people are going to keep their school open, yeah, yeah. we're going to stand with them. Yes! Uh, I have to say, I've benefited. My family's benefited so much more from that school than they have from us. We've given them financial benefits. They've given us so much more. Judah's been going there from six months till now. And it's, it's been an amazing situation that we're in. And so when I pulled into the school that particular day, it wasn't just one police officer. There, there's three or four of them out there waiting for something to go down. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm thinking, hey, should I, should I stay here? Should I, should I try to work from this school? I'm not sure what's going to go on. But like Abram, 
these men saw Abram. They saw something in him that yeah. caused them to, that drew them to him. Yes. And we say, I see, I see what they're doing. They're not bowing down. They're not fearful. And that draws me to them. Yes. And what they told us is Judah's class was a little bit, a little bit sparse that day. And I can't blame them. I can't blame them. And they said, thank you for trusting us with your child. We say, no, thank, thank you, people of Israel. Come on, saints. Does, doesn't that sound like unwavering loyalty to you? Yes. See, if we could take these steps today, who knows what the future will produce in our lives and what our unwavering loyalty based on deep convictions with the people of God will produce for them through our lives. You see, we can't, we can't differentiate what these three brothers from Genesis 14 are doing then and Assad getting the opportunity to do something very similar and stand with people that were in the middle of a day of rage that was called internationally. Wow. A day of rage is what they called it. And he decided to have unwavering loyalty to show his commitment. See, it wasn't about uh, fear of something that could happen or, or this or that and the other. This was about my convictions are for these people, and I am going to show that I'm willing to stand with them in any way that I can. Yeah. Don't, don't take away from this and say, well, he's just sending his son. No, he made a commitment to put his son in a position to show these people what his life was all about, Come what on. his deep convictions are about, the unwavering loyalty and trust that he has in the plan for the Jewish people. Yeah. I learned that here. Somebody say unwavering loyalty. Unwavering loyalty. We see in Genesis 14, three brothers that allied cut a covenant with Abram. They cut a covenant with the man. So what do you think comes next? How about we put Numbers chapter 10, verse 29 in ESV on the screen. Check this out. And Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will do you good. For the Lord has promised good to Israel. Catch now, the saints. Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. Yeah. This is the Gentile brother-in-law of Moses. Yeah. I just want to make sure we get that clear because I had a little confusion on that at first. Yeah. Hobab is not, a, he's not Jewish. He's a Gentile. Now check out verse 33 right on the screen. So they set out from the mount of the Lord three... So they set out from the Mount of the Lord three days journey and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them three days journey to seek out a resting place for them. Church, I don't know about you, but I didn't know Hobab even existed in the Bible. I just I had to look up his name. But here you have a man who is on the outside of Israel, but he's aligned himself with them, showing full support with them. And given of his abilities and his skills to help, help them navigate through the wilderness for the sole purpose that they would enter the promised land. What abilities has God given us, LCM? Plenty. What skills has he given us? Many. He's given us Kohak in so many ways. Just like Obab, it is our job to rally around God's people by showing unwavering Loyalty to them and to the physical land that God gave over to them. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. LCM, this is what unwavering loyalty looks like when you are for the land of Israel. Yeah. Come on, we're thinking about unwavering loyalty. 
How can we not think about what we just learned about recently, about the captains of the Karaites? Come on, those were the Gentile men who had allied themselves with God's people so much so that in 2 Kings chapter 11, it says that Jehoiada the priest made a covenant with them and put them under oath. And these very men took their stand to protect the king, Joash, against Athaliah and the evils of their day, preserving the royal line of David, through whom Yeshua, the promised Messiah, would come and bring salvation to the entire world. These were Gentiles that were allied with the plan of God and the promises of God, showing unwavering loyalty to get Joash in the right place and make sure that the line of David was preserved so that the plan of God would come about. See, church, tonight we're talking about it. what it looks like for Gentiles to stand with the man, the land, and the plan with unwavering loyalty at every turn in the midst of the darkest of days when nations are being shaken and still stand by their brothers, the Jewish people. Church, we want to point something out to you guys about how monumental the times we're living in and what it means for our Jewish brothers when they know that we, Gentiles, show unwavering loyalty to them. In fact, we have another testimony for you that we wanted to share with you guys about the Jewish perspective when they know that we are standing with them. And story time again. So guys, <clears throat> when the whole situation happened on October 7th, my wife reached out to a, a lot of friends, you know, going to, to, to JCC, meet a lot of Jewish people. Um, and my wife sent texts to all her friends saying, hey, you know, we, we stand with you. Specifically, she said, this one woman from Israel, she, she's here, her husband's on expat. It says, hello, Kayla, hello, I wanted to message you to let you know that the Robinson family <laughs> stands with the nation of Israel and with the Jewish people unequivocally. And no matter the circumstance, if you need anything, please let us know. I'm writing, I'm writing this to you in light of the U.S. and other allied nations spouting words that sound like wavering support. That wasn't planned. And so her response is, Thank you so much, Kayla, for the loving words. It means so much to me, more than I can explain, per hands. It's been very hard since October 7th. Our hearts are shattered. Instead of mourning, we find ourselves explaining our history and justifying our right to existence. Thank you again for texting me. I am in tears, but this time it's because of love, not hate. Double per hands. Yeah. Come on, saints. This is what is at stake. If this is the reaction we get by stating that we unequivocally stand with you, what will the reaction be when they see us year over year standing with them in the midst of difficulties, standing right beside them, shoulder to shoulder, unwavering when the rest of the world is falling apart? This is the reaction that is at stake. For God's people to know that we stand with them, regardless of what the world's saying about them, it is everything. This is what brings them to a jealousy that we, they would see in us. Why does this man love our God and his covenant with us so much? And it brings them to tears. This is incredible. This is, this has always been God's desire that the Gentile nations would treat his people this way. We've covered Genesis 14 with the three brothers that allied themselves with Abram. We've covered Hobab in, in Numbers 10, who was for God's land and the people's land. 
We've talked about the, the Karaites that gathered around the plan of God to protect David's line. With that being said, LCM, we want to share with you one more example of the quintessential Gentile who showed undying, say undying, and unwavering loyalty to the man, the land, and the plan for God's people. This to 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 17. And as you go there, say unwavering loyalty. Guys, there? <laughs> it says this. So the king set out with all the peoples following him, and they halted at, at a place some distance away. All his men marched past him, along with the, Car the Carathites and Pelathites. And all the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. The king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with the king Absalom. You are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. You, come only, you came only yesterday, and today shall I make you wander about with us when I do not know where I'm going? Go back and take your countrymen. May kindness and faithfulness be with you. But it's our reply to the king. As surely as the Lord lives, and as the Lord, as my Lord, the king lives, wherever my Lord, the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. David said to Ittai, go ahead, march on. So Ittai, the Gittite, marched on with all his men and the families that were with him. So guys, King David asked multiple questions and he made numerous statements regarding why Ittai should not stay with him. Why he should not stand with him. There were seven to be exact. King David said to Ittai, why should you come along with us? He said, number two, go back to stay with Absalom. Number three, you are a foreigner in exile from your homeland. Number four, you only came yesterday. Number five, today shall I make you wonder about with us when I do not know where I'm going? Number six, go back and take your countrymen, just for shot. Number seven, May kindness and faithfulness be with you. That's a little different. It's a blessing. He's saying, go, and I'm going to bless you as you go. So King David gave, get, gave Ittai and his countrymen a pass. I mean, that was a pass of all passes. You got it, man. Just go, go back home. If Ittai was looking for a reason not to stand with, with, uh, with King David, he had seven of them rapid fire to him in two scripture verses. Despite this fact, what was Ittai's response to King David? As surely as the Lord lives and as my Lord, the king lives, wherever my Lord, the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. Yes. Ittai didn't care that David wasn't sitting on his throne. He didn't care what King David could do for him in that moment. He didn't care that King David was in the desert Wondering about without direction, not knowing where he was going. But, but brother, didn't he have to think about his family? That wasn't very pragmatic of him. Yeah. His family was there with him. Come on. So Ittai had an unwavering loyalty to the Jewish king. Yeah. And he wanted to be wherever the king was, regardless of the circumstance. I mean, think about that. That's when you decide to join the king in the desert, in the miserable desert. Yeah. 
That's when you're going to join him. Not in the palace. LCM. This is the exact same attitude that, and the same heart, the same actions that we have to have and display. Not just speak about it, but actually display these towards the Jewish people, towards the land of Israel, and towards the plan of God. This is absolutely beautiful when you think about this. David has given the man every reason why he should not come along with him. And the man pushes past that and says, I will die where you die, and I will live where you live. What kind of impact do you think that had on David? Do you think afterwards, like, yeah, Itai, just, just go off to the corner somewhere? Or do you think this man was now a, a treasure in his heart with a response like that? How do you think the Jewish people are going to respond to us? Come on. You're going you're gonna to encounter some of them like, hey, there's no reason for you to stand with us. There's, you don't have to do this. But because we are the saints of the living God, and through the blood of their Jewish Messiah that's been atoned for them first, and now yeah. for us, we yeah. are going to stand with them regardless if it means death for us or life for us. And it's going to cause the resurrection and salvation right from the dead. Come on, LCM. Say it with me. Say, I, I stand, stand with Jews. With Jews. I, I stand, stand with Jews. With Jews. I want to point something out to you that I discovered after giving, getting some direction by our pastors at the kibbutz this past Sunday. See, they told us that we should go check out Matthew 25. Mm. And we did. And what I found out is I realized that the way that we view, interact with, speak to, and speak about the Jewish people speaks loudly to where we actually stand in the sight of their God. Yeah. I'm going to start in Matthew 25, verse 31. Help us, Rob. Get it, get it. Unwavering loyalty when you're there. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. Let that weight sit on you for a second. He will sit on his throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. All the nations. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a strain, you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Let's look at that very plainly. First and foremost, who are Jesus' brothers? Israel. Israel. Whatever you did first and foremost for his brothers, the Jews, you are doing for him. The fruit of knowing the king of the Jews is that you will love his brothers, the Jewish people, and you will be known by God. You see, saints, this isn't about stirring something up in you. Let me go do something nice for a Jew so that perhaps I can buy my way into heaven one day. This is the fruit of your life 
as you interact with the Jewish king is a greater love for his brothers, yeah. Israel. Saints, we want to turn really quickly to Isaiah 56 to, to pin this down even further. Because God, knowing you, is the, sorry, <laughs> because you knowing the God of the Jews is you giving full love, full confidence in his covenants, in his plan for his people in every way. Isaiah 56 verse 3 says, let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely excuse me, exclude me from his people. Let me read that again. No foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord. Saints, that's who we are. We are foreigners of the covenant that have bound ourselves to the Lord and to his covenants. This is by our speech, by our actions, by the way that we live our lives and raise up our families. We have shown ourselves to bound ourselves to the Lord and what his desires are, and we will not be excluded. Going on in verses 6 and 8. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord, and to worship him. All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel. I will gather still others to them besides these already gathered. Did you hear that? We, the foreigners who bound ourselves to the Lord, will surely not be excluded. We are together with them. In fact, we will be brought to his holy mountain. Saints, what's that mountain called? Zion. Zion. Mount Zion. You see, Zionism is first and foremost about our Jewish brothers being established unhindered in the Abrahamic land grant. But we can now see that as Gentiles who hold fast to God's covenant, this is our destination too. First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. We, LCM, are unapologetically Zionist. Saints, we as Gentiles must be those who hold fast, strengthen, and uphold the covenant that God has made with his people. Namely, the man, the land, and the plan. And how do we do this, LCM? By being faithful to the covenants that are right in front of us. The covenants with our wives. The covenant with our children, our brothers, our teams. It is there that we get to teach and pass on to the generations after us to teach our sons and our daughters about the dependency that our lives are on. <clears throat> the dependency, excuse me, of the nation of Israel. LCM, this way of life that we, we, we are adhering to. And to a sauce point early, it's like, where did I learn this? How to stand with the nation of Israel? I learned it here. This way of life that we have learned and we are learning to master more and more by practicing it in our lives is the conviction that the Lord is working inside of us and it is what is going to bring the gospel back to Jerusalem. Amen. So we know that everyone in this house, LCM, we agree to that statement. We agree with everything that's been said so far in this message. That it is the will of God for us to be unapologetically Zionist and to have an unwavering loyalty towards his people, his land, and his plan. But we also know something is at work here at LCM. We know that something's at work in our world. That there's an enemy that is working against us. Go read Revelation 12. He's cast out of heaven and he goes to make war with the woman and and her seed and everyone else who holds to the testimony of God's word. So we know that the enemy's waging war, even waging war in this room. 
But LCM, we want to say this. We want to, we want to speak to those, those lies. We want to take those thoughts captive because you are men and women of God who are called to shine forth his light so that his people know that you stand with them. So things like, how do I do this? Can I do this? What role do I play? And what does this mean for me today? Well, Brother Assad is going to help us because he's a man of action. He's a man that with a solution. He's a man that is going to give us a charge and spearhead us, spear us forward into God's plan. Amen. Do y'all want that? Yeah. Okay. So go to Ezra chapter 7, verse 8. And as you go there, say, unwavering loyalty. Unwavering loyalty. It says this, Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in the fifth month on the seventh year of the king. He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month, and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month. For the gracious hand of God was on him. Verse 10 says, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord, and to the teaching and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. So this is the answer, saints. It's the devotion to the study and observance of God's word and the foundational teachings that have been passed down to us in this house. Yeah. This is the responsibility of every man and every woman in this place tonight. It's not optional. It's actually essential for us. Amen. We have to go back to the basics and master the weapons of old as we were instructed to at the conference this year. And we have to do it with the salvation of the Jewish people in mind. Yeah. Yeah. That, that gives an actual different context. I was sharing with my brothers yesterday that I'm a mechanical engineer. And, and going through school, I learned a lot of theory and no practicality. Yeah. And so whenever I got out of school, I didn't know how to apply what I learned, right? Oh, yeah. The teaching wasn't bad. I had no application yet. And so the, same, the word is not bad. Of course, we know that the teachings in this house are not bad. They are excellent. Yes. We must apply them. Amen. And looking to Israel as our motivation, taking the gospel back to them, that's a different facet of the gym force to, to, to yeah. engage with it in. It's not just going through the, the material to, to, to refresh our memory or to just check a box. Put them in your mind when you're going through it. So, guys, going beyond, well, we have to have, a, a, we have to be like the Gentile men that were in Genesis 14 who went to war with Abram. Like Ittai the Gittite, like the Karaites in 2 Kings chapter 11, they all stood with Jewish men in difficult times and they fought alongside them. So going beyond studying, going beyond observing and mastering the weapons that have been given to us, we must pass these foundational teachings down to our children. Yeah. Come on, say that again. We must pass these foundational Amen. teachings down to our children. Come, come on, saints. This is how you put the enemy on his back and you keep your boot on his neck. Passing it down through the generations. This is how we collectively fulfill our role. And it's how we will help the nations learn their role Amen. and how to fulfill it. Can you throw up Isaiah 60, 1 through 3 on the screen? Church, we want to give you a charge today. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. 
Church, it's time to rise up and be that great and strange sight to the world around us. We are living in unprecedented times, and our very purpose depends on having unwavering loyalty to the covenants of Israel. We must ensure that the nations catch that same fire, and it starts in each and every one of your homes by putting into practice covenant loyalty to what we've received here. We want to encourage you and charge you to fan into flame those gifts that you've been given from God. Come on, LCM, it is time to fan into flame those weapons of old, the covenant relationships and the way of life that we have received so that we will see the gospel make its way back to Jerusalem in the generations to come. If we remember, we are in the final hour. We have somewhere between 52 and 216 years to make sure that this is completed. And this is what we're aiming for. Let's go to Isaiah 49, 22. Check this out. That's right, unwavering loyalty. Picking up in verse 22 of Isaiah chapter 49. This is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I will beckon to the Gentiles. I will lift up my banner to the peoples. They will bring your sons in their arms and carry your daughters on their shoulders. Kings will be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers. They will bow down before you with their faces to the ground. They will lick the dust at your feet. Then you would know that I am the Lord and those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Amen. Elson, we are those that are right, right, raising up future kings and queens in this place. We're raising them up to teach them, to lead the generations after us, to make disciples so that they can have the same conviction of an unwavering loyalty to Israel's covenants. See, these are men and women that will carry the sons and daughters of Israel on their shoulders to inherit their covenantal promised land. The time is now, LCM. In God's biblical history that we're in now, it is time for us to rise. It is time for us to take our stand. It is time for us to drive the anchor in the ground and hold on regardless of the flood of dissipation that is coming our way. Read, read Zechariah 12. God says that he has made Jerusalem a rock. And as the, as the nations rage, as, as the nations resist, it says those who try to move it will hurt themselves. The Lord spoke in his word that not a hair on your, your head will be hurt. We, might, we, may be, we may perish physically, but that is not our final state. So what, will, what, will we, what can we not give over to our king? What material possession can we not lay down so that we can stand with God's people and they can receive their, their Messiah? Elsom, this is what is at stake here. So with that being said, y'all stand to your feet. As you stand, do y'all want to do that? Yes! Do y'all want to sacrifice for your king, yes! for his people, yes! for his land, yes! for his plan? Put on the screen 1 Corinthians 15, 57, please. But thanks be to God. Yes! He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This Jewish Jesus. Yes. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
no matter how big it is, no matter how small the sacrifice, it is not in vain. Church, we are living in days when many are claiming to have some form of loyalty to God's people Israel, yet most don't even know what that means, and their loyalty will undoubtedly waver. Look at the news. We must show unwavering loyalty to the people of Israel because God does. They're the apple of his eye. His loyalty to the man, the land, and the plan must be central in our daily lives. Y'all hear me? Central. This will produce a unity of heart that knows that we are no, we have, we have no citizenship, guys. Zero. No citizenship, no covenants, and no hope, and no God apart from them. And our hope in the resurrection only comes with Israel, never without them. This will produce a greater love and a greater commitment to the Jewish people all over the world in the face of great darkness. And we're in times of great darkness, make no mistake. We will stand in the days to come when the whole world is shaken and crumbling in their convictions because we are those who show unwavering loyalty to the covenants in our lives, leading to greater love and loyalty to the man, the land, and the plan through his people, Israel, saints. Somebody, God, we thank you that you are a God that is showing us the very next steps of obedience to fulfill the works that you prepared in advance for us. Mighty King, we thank you for your teachings. Lord, we thank you for the weapons of old that you've given us, Mighty King. And we ask that you would help us to fan into flame the very gifts of God that you bestowed upon your people in this church, Lord. Lord, we ask that a heart and a desire and a love for the covenants of Israel would grow more and more in each and every one of our hearts. And this would be displayed in both speech and in action. Mighty God, we ask that we would be men of action that are constantly looking to do what is right to support your people and your plan in their land, mighty King. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would, dis that you would break down any disparity that says, I am not enough, or what part do I have with this? The fact that you are standing here, LCM, is very proof that you are part of God's plan for his people Israel. So mighty God, we lift up your nation. Lord, we lift up your name amongst your people. Lord, we say, would you make Jerusalem the praise of the earth? And Lord, would you light a fire beneath this mighty king that we would do our part starting here with our own families and radiating outwardly to the nations that they might carry the sons and daughters of your people on their shoulders. We say this in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen.